Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, think on these things. The Philippian Christians must focus their thoughts on all that is pure and lovely, all that is chaste and holy and amiable. We live in a world which hates purity. We live in a society which laughs at holiness. The world in which we live positively delights in that which is dark, that which is unwholesome. The world is ashamed of what it sometimes calls prudishness. The men of the world like to flatter themselves that they are broad-minded people and that nothing shocks them. One of the great problems we have in our contemporary society is that people know no shame. And so this shows us what fallen man, apart from Christ, is really like. He revels in that which is unclean. He rejoices in it. And of course, it is Satan who is behind all uncleanness. Now, we live in this type of world which delights in all that is unwholesome and we have to rebuke and challenge the world's unwholesomeness but we also have to ensure that we ourselves fix our thoughts upon all that is pure and all that is lovely. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, think on these things. We have to focus our attention upon that which is pleasing to God. Now we're talking about our own personal Christian walk here. We must make sure that we avoid and are not tainted by that which is impure and unlovely. And we have to try and protect those around us from these impure and unlovely influences. We must make sure as Christians that we focus upon that which is pure 
and lovely. And that is why we must take great care about what we watch on television, what we listen to. We might even add what type of music we might listen to because we live in an age where a lot of music is very impure. It is impure both in the theme of it, often in the lyrics themselves, uh, but even uh, there are very popular forms of music which are actually impure in their musical form, in, in the way it's structured. Uh, music which constantly has a heavy beat is impure music. And indeed, I, I won't mention it, but, but the name that we normally give to this type of music, and it's called something beginning with R and something else beginning with R, uh, that in itself is an impure, unwholesome term. And so we have to, as Christians, protect ourselves uh, from this impurity. Uh, and it's uh, very interesting to observe how those who revel in impurity frequently use music to encourage themselves. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, think on these things. And Paul also says in this verse 8, Whatsoever things are of good report, think on these things. Now because all men are made in God's image, and because of God's gift of common grace... Even non-believers are able to recognise certain forms of goodness. Unbelievers can recognise courtesy, humility, friendliness, patience. They know when someone is, uh, does not possess irritability or self-righteousness. And so there are certain characteristics which by common report are wholesome characteristics. Uh, but of course uh, the unbeliever also has uh, this problem of the flesh overriding all that he does. Uh, but the Christian indwelt by the Holy Spirit should, above all others, be manifesting these characteristics which can be described as being of good report. And so, because of the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart, uh, the Christian, more than anyone, should be one who is courteous and friendly and patient. Whatsoever things are of good report, think on these things. Uh, and uh, Paul here, and notice how he covers everything 
He's not, he's not leaving anything out here. He, he goes on. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Whatever is wholesome and pure and good, and of course it is God who defines that, whatever is wholesome and pure and good, think on these things. That must be our focus. How do we react to any situation? Well, we must react in a way which is pleasing to God, in a way which is wholesome and good and acceptable in his sight. The Christian must focus on all that is a matter of moral and spiritual excellence. The true Christian delights in holiness. The true Christian is repelled by all that is unholy. He hates it because his new nature causes him to hate it. A true believer cannot shrug his shoulders and say, well, that is the way the world has let them get on with it. No, the Christian is not like that. It grieves him when he sees around him impurity and things that are unlovely and dishonouring to God in whose image we are made. In Romans 12 verse 2, Paul declares, Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so it is never the case that the Christian endeavours somehow to muddle through and do the best he can. No. We are called as Christians to find out and carry out the perfect will of God. And we should be satisfied with nothing less. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, that which is worthy of commendation in the sight of God, think on these things. Now, by God's grace, Paul is able to present himself as an example to the Philippians. This is not, of course, that he's in any way being proud or arrogant. But he says in verse 9, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Now that is quite a remarkable statement. I'm sure most of us would tremble to make such a statement. But of course, Paul is, is not pointing the finger to himself and giving credit to himself, saying, look at me. He's rather saying, look at what the grace of God has done in me. You see, 
Paul has been teaching the Philippians with the authority of God's apostle. And let us make no mistake about this. The apostles were a unique office. Never to be repeated. The apostles received special revelation. Some of them wrote down Holy Scripture. And it is through the New Testament apostles and prophets that we have the final revelation of God. And so Paul is able to say what he says in verse 9 because he was an apostle. There are no apostles today. Even though sadly there are some sections of the church which claim that. But the need for apostles ceased with the completion of the New Testament. There is no need for apostles because we now have God's complete revelation. So, the Philippians should follow Paul's apostolic example. Now, as believers within Christ's body, we all have an obligation to be an example to our fellow believers. Uh, And obviously those who are older, in particular, have an obligation to be a good example to those who are younger. Uh, One who is called to be a minister in Christ's church uh, must, of course, be a good example by God's grace. He must be an example to the unbelieving world, uh, but of course to the flock also. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, we find Paul saying to Timothy, Be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And so, a special obligation is upon the minister to be an example. A very daunting obligation. The minister who takes heed to himself will have the greater effect upon his hearers. Who hopefully can see the reality of his teaching bearing fruit in his own life. And this is why Paul is able to say what he says here in verse 9, which initially we might think is a a rather vain thing and proud thing to say. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Paul can make that statement because by God's grace 
he has been able to practice all that he preaches. So he can encourage the Philippians to emulate him. For example, Paul has been preaching about suffering for Christ's sake. About persevering in the midst of trial. Well, it's easy to talk about those things. But you see, Paul really has suffered for Christ's sake. Paul really has persevered in the midst of personal affliction. And so, he's able to speak from this position of authority. And after all, he is writing this letter from prison in Rome. At this very moment, he is suffering for Christ's sake. So he has the moral right to talk about suffering for Christ's sake. And his faithfulness in his own adversity, in the midst of his own trials, is proving a real help and a real stimulus to other believers. Uh, And and we see uh, how Paul's personal sufferings have actually helped the Philippians if we go back to chapter 1 and verse 14. Philippians 1 verse 14. Many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So because Paul had been willing to risk imprisonment for preaching Christ, this has encouraged others to speak out boldly for Christ as well. And it appears in the Western world that we are moving into a period of history where to speak out for Christ's sake is indeed going to involve real suffering and persecution. And so Paul's willingness to suffer For the gospel's sake is strengthening other believers. Now, the point for us is that it's not just apostles who had the ability to do this, but every Christian has the potential to encourage other Christians by his or her example. Each one of us has the ability to encourage others it's not a task confined uh, to a minister or a a special class of believers every believer has this role of being an encourager and so Paul says here in verse 9 those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do So follow the true doctrine which I have been teaching and there will be consequences. And the God of peace shall be with you. The God of peace shall be with you. If the Philippians stand fast 
in the teachings, the apostolic doctrine which they have received. And if they put these teachings into practice, the God who bestows peace or true well-being will be with them. And here we see something which is lost upon so many people today. God will be with those who follow true teaching. God will be with those who are leading holy lives. What so many are saying today is that God will be with you and watch over you, whatever you do, whether you're leading a holy life or not. But it is plain from this verse 9 that the God of peace will be with the Philippians if they do what Paul has taught them to do. They will have an inward assurance of God's protection. God will reward their faithfulness and their obedience because God honours those who honour him. God bestows a peace on the true believer which is a confidence in him. This overrides the difficulties of outward circumstances but this peace which verse 9 speaks of is conditional upon being doers of the word no one can expect if they are openly defying God's commandments to enjoy God's peace and so if somebody comes to us as a Christian who's full of anxiety, weighed down by all kinds of problems, constantly worrying. And they say, oh, if only I could have peace of mind. What would we say to them? Well, the solution is not as easy as some might imagine. What we certainly would not say is, well, you've just got to look on the bright side of life. What the Word of God says is that holiness and obedience are the best recipes for true peace of mind. And so, what sound counsel Paul is giving to the Philippians here when he says do the things that you have learned of me and the God of peace shall be with you pursue what I have taught you the apostolic doctrine the need for holiness keep to these things and then you will have God with you Matthew Henry Uh, Put it very succinctly like this. The Lord is with us whilst we are with him. The Lord is with us whilst we are with him. 
And the great tragedy is, and this was so apparent yesterday in London, is that vast numbers of people were thinking God was with them when they had left God. Verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again wherein ye were also careful but ye lacked opportunity. Now here Paul is referring to the fact that the Philippians really were getting down to the business of being faithful believers. And they were demonstrating this in a very practical way. By their attitude to Paul himself and his own difficulties and his own imprisonment. The Philippians have indeed been thinking upon things that are of good report and of great virtue by their desire to care for the Apostle. They have long been very concerned about Paul's welfare. They have wanted to help him in really practical ways. But their own very difficult circumstances had prevented them doing much to help him. But now at last they have had the opportunity to put their genuine concern for Paul and for the gospel into practice. And they have recently sent Paul material help through one of their church members, Epaphroditus. And so Epaphroditus has actually visited Paul in prison. Showing the love and concern of the Philippians for the Apostle. So their concern has now flourished at the last, your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. You see, up to now they've not been able to do anything, but now they have. And their concern has blossomed into valuable material assistance for poor. Uh, and, and this would have been in the form of a monetary gift. And this has caused Paul to render much thanks to the Lord. But Paul is not thanking the Lord just because he's got a monetary gift. He says in verse 11, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now this is another remarkable statement of Paul. Like the one we had in verse 9. Could we say what Paul says in verse 11? I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul's rejoicing at the Philippians' generosity to him was not simply because he was in desperate need of some money. He certainly did need it. 
But he was not preoccupied by that need. Because the grace of God was sustaining him even in the midst of his need. Paul had the conviction that God was aware of his situation and would provide for him. As and when he the Lord thought fit to do so. And so Paul has been sustained uh, by the peace of God. Referred to in verse 9 and also in verse 7. And so even despite great difficulty, being in prison, not being able to preach the gospel, and the Philippians haven't been able to help him uh, before now, uh, but even in those difficulties, Paul is able to say, I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. He goes on in verse 12. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. I know how to have little, I know how to have plenty. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. So here in verse 12. Paul is declaring how he trusts in the providence of God. Whether he experiences material little or material plenty. Whether he is being persecuted or whether he is preaching without any hindrance whatsoever. Whichever situation it is, he trusts in the Lord and is content. God has taught Paul to be of a yielding spirit. As the many different providential changes in his circumstances take place. It is easy to trust God when our situation is on a nice even keel does not change and we are happy with it but when there are unexpected changes it is not so easy but by God's grace Paul says I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content And then he makes yet another amazing statement. Could we make this statement? Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can do all things. And so Paul is effectively saying, look, there's no situation I cannot deal with. By God's grace. He's not boasting. He is glorifying God. And so Paul is no longer overwhelmed by any great unexpected difficulty. Now this is not some kind of stoic resignation. As the 
Greeks, for example, might practice. Or someone today might say, well, I just accept what comes my way. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is not saying this because he never feels any emotion. Paul is not just weakly giving in to problems. As if he says, well, uh, I keep getting problems, I can't do anything about it, so I just put up with it. That's not Paul's attitude. And it is certainly not self-sufficiency. Oh, I've got lots of experience, I can cope. No. In and of himself, Paul could never have dealt with his many trials. What Paul is saying here in verse 13 is that he totally depends upon the Lord. Paul trusts that the God who ordains all circumstances is in control of his own situation. So, we are presented here with another vital aspect of the Christian's conduct. It is to have a trusting contentment, whatever our adversities and problems and difficulties. Believing in the absolute reality of God's providential control. Now this is not always easy, but as Christian believers, we do know that nothing happens by chance, absolutely nothing. All situations come about in the providence of God, even The sinful acts of men happen in the providence of God. That is one of the great mysteries of providence. God is never the author of sin, but men's sin happens in his providence. Now, Paul realises that. He knows all his circumstances are ordered by God. Paul has learnt this over time as he has matured in the faith. And we have to work at this ourselves, learning to trust God more. So that ultimately we, by God's grace, could be able to say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. It is a great testimony to the genuineness of our faith if, by God's grace, we are able not to be overwhelmed by our difficulties. That is a wonderful testimony to the unbeliever in particular. And we have the promise here of receiving strength from Christ to do this. You see, note in verse 13... Paul does not simply say, I can do all things. 
He says, I can do all things through Christ. Let us consider Paul's situation. He was in Rome. He was in a foreign country. He was unjustly imprisoned. Think of the great sense of grievance he would have. He had not done anything wrong. Yet he was in prison. He was facing possible execution. Yet he has a calm spirit. Because he knows that nothing can happen to him except that the sovereign God has ordained it to happen. And also very relevant to this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and verse 9. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. The Lord said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So Paul had matured in the faith to such an extent that he began to glory in every difficulty and obstacle because it made him trust in Christ all that much more. I will glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Again, we have to ask ourselves, could I say that? And so Paul here is proving to be such a a wonderful example to the Philippian Christians. And we learn from this advice and counsel which he gives to them. Such important aspects of how we should conduct ourselves as Christians today. And we have learnt that the Christian must fix his mind on all that is pure and lovely in God's sight. Pursuing excellence and all holiness. Whatsoever things are pure... Whatsoever things are lovely, think on these things. We have also learned that the Christian has a wonderful potential to be an encouragement to other Christians. You do not have to be an apostle or a minister to do this. Every Christian has this potential. Wonderfully to encourage his fellow believer. And so, do we have a particular difficulty, an obstacle at this present time? Well, we can encourage other believers by the way we deal with it. 
We also learn here that the Christian must have a burden for the progress of the gospel. Supporting the work of the gospel in every way possible. We see this in the way the Philippians were so anxious to provide materially for Paul. They are hoping and praying that he might be released again so that he can start preaching again. And we also see this in the way Paul has been witnessing to everyone around him in the prison. Everyone in that prison house in Rome knows about the gospel. And we also learn from this that the Christian must trust in the providence of God at all times. Whatever his situation might be. The Christian must declare with the Apostle Paul that God's grace is sufficient. And so wonderful guidance for our own Christian lives. We fix our minds upon that which is pure and lovely. We endeavour to be an encouragement to other believers. We have a burden for the progress of the gospel. And we trust in the providence of God. May God help each one of us to follow in the path of the Apostle Paul. Amen.